Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here are your co-hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. Welcome back to you guys. Appreciate you joining us here on the big show, the College Football Survivor Show. We do this twice a week, once for Apple Podcast subscribers. That's the bonus app. This is the up for everybody. But Shahan, we've been doing this format that we're going to do on this show today for the bonus episodes for a while now. We are doing Mount Rushmore position groups in the history of the playoff. So it's an eight-year history of the playoff. And today, the big dogs, the four best quarterbacks in the history of the college football playoff. We have already done, for the bonus eps, running backs, linebackers, receivers, and defensive backs. If you guys want to sign up, it's $2.99 a month. You get four bonus episodes a month, so it's less than a dollar per episode. You go back and listen to those. Go back and listen to those ones we already did. It's kind of a nice off-season little thing. I don't know a lot of other podcasts doing that this off-season. Just the playoff, Shahan, not the best players ever. It's sort of how you prefer. If you know, if you didn't make the playoff, then you can't even be considered for this. So Lamar Jackson can't be one of our quarterbacks here because Louisville met, never made the playoff. Some of them that we've done before, Shahan, have felt like a little more homeworky. You got to dig in. Some have been a little easier. How did you think the quarterbacks were as you assess this? Difficult or easy? I lean towards easier. The nice thing about quarterbacks is that we got very easy numbers, right? So we can compare those things pretty easily. And the other part of it, too, is that, I mean, they're quarterbacks. We all remember them. We all remember every game that each of these guys played. So it does make it easier from that perspective. We're not having to go through and try to figure out, like, huh, did this cornerback maybe have a great game and we didn't necessarily see it because it wasn't even on our screen when we were watching the game, you know? So that makes quarterback a lot easier. But the thing that I think was interesting is that I got, so so there were three guys who were no brainers to me. And once we got to that fourth guy, that's when it got kind of interesting to me. I, I think it's, it's really two that are just like surefire, like don't even have to think about it. But then I, I do have a third guy, and I'm curious. I'm curious what direction we kind of go in with that fourth guy because, you know, I mean, there's an obvious name I think, but there's a discussion to be had. I, I think for those who haven't listened to us have one of these Rushmore debates before. Again, we're going to get some land, maybe in South Dakota, but we're open to other states if you want to have competing Rushmores. Maybe South Bend. South Bend once had the College Football Hall of Fame. It moved to Atlanta. Wouldn't they take a nice little Indiana Mount Rushmore? Call it Mount Rockney Moore, even. We'll sell the naming rights to it. <laughs> I'd call it Mount Shahan Moore. Whatever. I mean, I, I, it's Mount Blank Moore. Mount, send us a check more. And we'll have, it's going to have all little ones. Like maybe the, we'll have in the end, we're going to do the four overall. And they'll be bigger, but then the little ones around it. And then, you know, you and your family, your college football fans, you go through. I mean, actually, it's one of these things like, hey, no crazy podcast idea. It actually would would be immensely cool for a sports fan if you could go. It's like I love college football. It's like a national college football is a national thing, right? Because it, it expands. The NFL is everywhere, but it's because the NFL is so gigantic at a national level. Nothing expands to every corner of the country, I think from a sports standpoint, like college football, because there's colleges everywhere and a lot of colleges have football teams. So again, we are going to make a bucket load of money. Oh, man, I, <laughs> I can count that money right now. I was just telling you, my, my daughter just got a scholarship and she was at a little, you know, from our local business community, a lovely thing by them. And we went to the, the scholarship breakfast and they gave her a big check. They gave her a big check to hold for a photo. And I was just thinking of me and you, Shahan holding a big check outside Mount Saban more. Again, I don't care. Mount, Mount, whatever more. This is our retirement money right here. Just if you have a 401k, stop contributing to it. This is the retirement plan. All right. Sounds like some, uh, some sound financial advice. Again, we're also financial advisors. If you'd like to contribute to Mount <laughs> blank more, please contact Shahan on Twitter and he'll tell you where to send the checks. So, the quarterback one, this is going to be a very popular attraction. I, I will say I agree with you. One of the other things that happened to me is there were some guys who I was like, oh, that guy's in the mix. And then I went through the guy and I was like, oh, maybe not. But I will say this. So the candidates here, now I'm not talking about just the year that a quarterback was in the playoff, but I'm talking about the totality of a quarterback 
a quarterback who was in the playoff at some point, at, in the totality of his career, there are six Heisman-winning quarterbacks who have participated in the playoff in the eight years of the playoff. You want to name them? I mean, it's not that. You, you want to name them? We play name that quarterback? Yeah, yeah. Let's play the name that quarterback. So, Jameis Winston. Yep. Marcus Mariota. Yep. Kyler Murray. Yep. Baker Mayfield. Yep. Joe Burrow. Yep. And who do we have last? Uh, oh, and Bryce Young. Bryce Young. Those are the six. There are four others who their best Heisman finish was second. So there's some of those other guys, I think, also finished second. But we're talking about guys who their best finish as a quarterback was second. There are four of them that participated in the playoff. Do you want to name them? Deshaun Watson. Yep. Trevor Lawrence. Yep. Justin Fields. Nope. He finished third. There are two guys who finished third. Justin Fields is one of them. Yeah. Okay, second. Um... What would uh, are, are we talking more recent era? Or? Bama, Bama, Mac Jones, Bama. Mac Jones finished third. He finished third. Uh, Tua, Tua, and a guy who was Bama and then finished second somewhere else. Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts. So we have six guys who finished first, four who finished second, two who finished third, plus a sixth place, an eighth place, and a ninth place. So in the history of the playoff, that's twelve guys in the top three of the Heisman. And 15 guys in the top 10 of the Heisman, okay? So, famous quarterbacks. This is a good group. There's not actually a ton of modern quarterbacks that we're missing here. Almost save Lamar, right? Because Lamar Jackson was so extraordinary as a player that it didn't matter that Louisville was not a playoff team. This other stuff, it's almost like you have to make the playoff to be a Heisman finalist as a quarterback. It's not coincidental, right? But so this is, that's, but that's what we're working with here. We got to pick four guys. We have six Heisman winners. We only have four spots on the mountain. So there have been some Heisman winners who are going to have to buy a ticket to get in. <laughs> Baker Mayfield's going to be like, yeah, uh, I won the Heisman. Can I get in to mount whatever more? Be like, Baker, dude, it's 12 bucks. Sorry. I don't tell you. Well, I, I, I do think that we can make this a little easier for ourselves. Uh, three of those guys are Oklahoma quarterbacks. So I don't think, unfortunately, they're really going to be especially eligible to, to be on the Mount Rushmore of college football playoff performances. Although, although Baker had a great game against Georgia, but, and even Kyler was pretty good, but. I, I don't know whether uh, losing the way that Oklahoma lost in the three games where these guys played is necessarily going to get them on Mount Rushmore. So how much we've again, for those of you who are listening to a Mount Rushmore debate for the first time, and to those who have listened on the Apple podcast bonus episodes, thanks for listening to those. Rings matter depending. For some positions, they matter more for some positions, they matter less. How much do you think winning a national championship matters for quarterbacks in this discussion? The issue for the guys who didn't win is that there are just too many players who did, right? Like there are too many good quarterbacks who did win a national championship. Now, I've kind of said before, I said this when I was comparing to other position groups, like winning a national championship at Alabama sure you know like like it matters but like the reality is I I mean if Baker Mayfield was the quarterback at Alabama instead of Tua or instead of Mac Jones like he would have won a title just flat out Baker Mayfield would have won a title if he was the quarterback at Alabama but that said I I do think that there is there is value of having won it I'm open-minded to if there's a guy who had a great performance and didn't end up winning. Uh, you, you know, I'm definitely open-minded to that. You have to have won playoff games. Like, you have to have won at least one playoff game. I, I could not consider you if you did not win playoff games. So that's why, for me, the Oklahoma quarterbacks were out, even though they were three high, two Heisman winners, a runner-up, fantastic players. But the fact that they didn't win a playoff game, I think really, because uh, you have to play in multiple is the other part of this too. I, I don't think that you can just play in one game uh, and that be enough. I think that there are just too many talented players on this list for that to be the case. We are always talking about accumulators versus one year fantastic performances that comes into play with every position group. There are two quarterbacks who have participated in three separate playoffs. One is Trevor Lawrence. One is Jalen Hurts. 
Jalen Hurts did it at two schools. By my count, there are five quarterbacks who have participated in two playoffs. Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, Justin Fields, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, and Ian Book. How about Ian Book? Now, Tua, one of his participations is coming in in the second half of the national championship game. But that's some juicy juice. That counts. So, and then there's a bunch of guys. Then there's a bunch of guys. Um, everybody else has just won. So, some accumulators, some outstanding performances. Shahan, we'll start with you right after this as we start to build our quarterback Mount Rushmore on the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Doug and Shahan, first chisel in your hand. Shahan, it goes to you. And why are you starting with Stetson Bennett? uh because i like nice people uh and i actually don't even know if he's nice i mean i think that's i think that sometimes we assume that like if a guy is like a mediocre quarterback then that means that he's a good guy i, I don't actually know that that's the case but anyway uh, and like a walk-on like everybody loves walk-ons right it's like oh walk-on like what a hard-working guy but it's like baker mayfield started off as a walk-on i don't know if that guy's nice or not <laughs> i mean it's fine I like jerks. I am a jerk. But again, I think it's, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I've said this for a long time, right? Like everybody, you know, went to high school and they, you know, a lot of people remember like, hey, you know, the quarterback of the football team was real full of himself. And like, the reality is these are the guys who not only were full of themselves, but were actually good enough to deserve it <laughs> to the point where they became NFL quarterbacks. So like my, 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 expectations of like normal personality for one of these guys is just I have very low expectations because like the world has not been normal to them to be quite honest again you're listening to the college football survivor show where (laughs) Shahan J. Haraja just said all athletes are jerks all right no they're not they don't live in a normal world it's just a different universe uh (laughs) <laughs> kind of like podcast hosts, frankly. Kind of like podcast hosts. This is a hell of a transition off of this, by the way, with the guy that I'm going to go with yeah. first. No, I know. Do we have this like, do we have to have like a, and it's not even joking. It's just like, we all, we understand the situation. We are yes. discussing on-field college football accomplishments. And go ahead. <laughs> So Deshaun Watson, uh, I think probably the most, maybe with another guy, the most obvious pick, I'd say, participated in two college football playoffs, threw for 400 yards in two title games. That's crazy. Uh, Overall in four playoff games, 1,271 passing yards, nine touchdowns, 318 rushing yards, four touchdowns, nobody has rushed like him in in uh, the college football playoff era. I mean, you really have to go back to like Cam Newton and Vince Young to find anybody who could run the ball quite like Deshaun Watson. Uh, obviously won in 2016, won Clemson's first championship since the 80s. I believe it was 82 or something like that. The, the other one that they won um, had them in the national championship game twice. Like this is, this is the guy, right? Like this is, this is uh, of the playoff era. I think that, if you have to pick one quarterback, there are other contenders, but this is probably my pick for the guy when it comes to the quarterbacks of the college football playoff era. And I'm pretty sure that I voted for him for the Heisman both of those years, and he he didn't win. It's one of those things. It's a Heisman's a regular season award. You don't take the postseason into account. I think it's a miss by college football that Deshaun Watson got out of college without a Heisman. I mean, it's the dude is unbelievable. He accounted in the end for 397 yards per game in his four playoff games. And (laughs) I was not shocked, but a little surprised, double checking the rushing numbers. Again, carries per game, 24, 20, 15, 21. Yeah. This guy is, is the offense. Now, listen. He's got some good guys around him. He's got some guys to throw to. Mike Williams is in there, right? There's some other, there's some accomplished people in there that are helping him. But it's hard. This guy, because even some of the guys we're going to get to might have better stats, but they even, I think, had some even more high end people around him. This guy had the team on his shoulders. And I do think this is a case. He does have a ring, 
if when they went back at Bama in the national championship game for the second time and they had lost 48-45. If they call that big play at a penalty. <laughs> right. I think we'd have Deshaun Watson on anyway. Deshaun Watson is so extraordinary. Yes, statistically, but just with the high level of performance, the way he carried a, not just a team, but a program. Right. And that's a difference. He he is the beginning of the elevation of Clemson. Listen, Taj Boyd was great. Taj Boyd laid a little foundation. But without Deshaun Watson, I don't think Clemson is what Clemson has become. I, he leads to everything else. And so um, and then again, the 420 to get over the top against Bama for the national title. 36 of 56, 420 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. It's Bama, Bama defense, right. Nick Saban right. defense. That is that is extraordinary. It's actually not the best passing game in a championship. It's actually third. There are two guys who have more passing yards in the championship game, which is also pretty extraordinary. But I think everybody would start here. And I think Deshaun Watson is in the conversation of like 10 best college football players of all time. I mean, I don't I don't think that's I mean, you know, it's one of those things that, um, you know, T, Tim Tebow gets a lot of run as like a great college football player. They get one multiple national championships and carried that team on his back doing everything. But I'd put Deshaun Watson ahead of Tim Tebow. I'd put I think I'd put Deshaun Watson ahead of Vince Young. I mean, I think I'd put Deshaun Watson if we were doing like modern era. Right. Last 25 years of college football. Is Deshaun Watson the best player? I'd have a conversation. That's not the conversation we're having, so I didn't research that. <laughs> he might get my vote right now as I think about it. I mean, I, I have to bring up Cam Newton. I, I just have to bring up Cam Newton. But uh, that's actually probably an interesting discussion to be had, like maybe a post-BCS. Obviously, that's not playoff show necessarily, but I I don't know that I'd have him number one. But, I mean, it's a it's a compelling argument because, like you said – these Clemson teams were very good, but don't conflate 2016 and 2015 Clemson with 2019-2020 Clemson. Like these are completely different levels of talent. Uh one thing that always st- uh, stuck out to me is that like they didn't have great linemen, uh, like like offensive linemen, defensive linemen of course. They they've had great uh, defensive linemen for a long time. But like they just kind of made do. You know, Mike Williams is a was a legit first round type guy, but like Wayne Gallman was a running back who was fine. He's no Travis Etienne. We had Wayne Gallman conversation in the running back Mount Rushmore. It fueled by playing with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's so good. He's so deserving of his own Mount Rushmore. He made a push to get Wayne <laughs> Gallman on the running back Mount Rushmore. Right, right. And so, you know, like after Wayne Gallman, like his second leading receiver in 2016 on that title team was like Jordan Leggett, the tight end who is good. I I don't know. I mean, it's just this is not the, you know, the crazy Clemson, uh, you know, having four receivers who are going to be in the NFL, all that sort of stuff type roster. Right. Like they were a good defense. They were not this transcendent defense that maybe they were in the early Trevor Lawrence years. Like, like this was. This was crazy. This there is no reason that this should have happened in hindsight. There's no reason that Clemson should have reached this level uh, this early. And so, to me, easy selection on this list. And he, like he made Clemson cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. He made Clemson cool for everybody that came after. So I think everybody would start with Deshaun Watson, and he is number one on our. And we know what we're open to naming each Mount Rushmore a different name, if so we can get more corporations involved. This is the Mount Citibank more of quarterbacks, the Mount PepsiCo more of quarterbacks, right? Again, the Mount, not crypto. I'm not doing crypto. <laughs> no. NFTs are dying. <laughs> no, this is I'm not, not, not doing Mount NFT more. <laughs> NFT, if you have an NFT, sell it right now. I don't know what it is, but it's losing money. This is not, <laughs> no, we're not taking crypto money. I like the Steph Curry Shaq commercial. We're not taking your money, crypto, because the mountain's going to fall off. It's going to fall off the side of the hill. We're not doing it. That is uh, that is the worst part, is that the commercials for, for crypto and NFTs right now are on fire. They're really great. But uh, but unfortunately, that's not compelling enough. No, no. We're brick and mortar. We're like, we're, I don't know. We're, we're like, uh, I don't know. 
some kind of if you make something now now I, now we just lost six people who love crypto who are like well i like this show and so they just went in on crypto for no reason so again this is the big but deshaun, you're gonna get some deshaun watson you're gonna corporations you'll get deshaun watson yes. i think trevor lawrence is almost is similar now the hard thing about trevor lawrence who i'm gonna put up second here is that he started off great and then got slightly less so as he went on because he went in his three years of college, he went national championship, losing national championship game, losing semifinal. So he's there all three years, which Deshaun Watson is not. Deshaun Watson plays four playoff games. Trevor Lawrence plays five playoff games. In the end, total yards, Trevor Lawrence is 1,748 total passing yards in five games. Deshaun Watson is 1,500, excuse me, 1,000. No, I'm sorry. I'm doing total yards. Passing, it's 1,567. Deshaun Watson was 1,271. Rushing yards, Trevor Lawrence was 181. Deshaun Watson was 318. Total yards combined, okay? Trevor Lawrence, 1,748. Deshaun Watson, 1,589. So Trevor Lawrence has more total yards. He also played one more game. Both account for 13 touchdowns total. Trevor Lawrence is 10 passing, 3 running. Deshaun Watson was 9 passing, 4 running. Total yards per game average. Again, Deshaun Watson was 397. Trevor Lawrence is 350. He has 327 against Notre Dame in the semifinal as a true freshman, 347 against Bama in the national championship game. His best game is actually the, his loss in the semifinal at Ohio State, 400 passing yards against Ohio State. He loses the shootout to Justin Fields in that semifinal. But I, again, I think... If you wanted to, if you did it the other way, Shahan, boy, first year he loses <laughs> right, in the semi. Right. Then he builds up. Then he makes the national. Champion, then he goes out on top. It would almost be like, man, is that number one? What a compelling storyline. Instead, he his, he's a Benjamin Button career, <laughs> right? That he's it's it's in reverse. And again, I was I covered the tem- the semifinals when he played Ohio state in consecutive years as a sophomore and a junior, his whole storyline sophomore year was like, Hey, you won the national championship as a freshman. Why aren't you better this year? And he was like, I, I threw a couple picks early in the season and everybody was like, he stinks. And it was like, he doesn't stink, but he got Joe burrowed that year. And he got wiped from Heisman consideration because he had a slow start and Joe burrow went nuts. And then he comes back as a junior. He finished second in the Heisman. So that's pretty good. But then they lose in the semifinal to an Ohio state team that was hell bent on revenge. So 350 yards per game in five games. This is an accumulator and a high-level individual performer. I would be – I'm more curious if anybody would make a case that Trevor Lawrence should be up first ahead of Deshaun Watson because they both have one title, and Trevor Lawrence made the playoff three times. Deshaun made it twice. I don't know. How close to Deshaun Watson do you think Trevor Lawrence is? Not that close. I, I I mean, you name the numbers. What Trevor Lawrence had in five games are basically the same numbers that Deshaun Watson had in four games. And like, I, I think his teams were just better. His his teams were just better around him than what Deshaun Watson was dealing with, especially in 2015. Like they, they had no business playing in a national championship game that year. And so for me, like Trevor Lawrence is is on this list. He was one of the three guys that I mentioned as being no brainers for me, but I, I I can't really put him in that conversation with Deshaun Watson. I I just can't. Trevor Lawrence to me actually, I I feel like almost has had such a weird college career because he was one of those guys that he came out of high school and he was like the number one recruit in the country. And he, the, for whatever reason, I, I, even though I work at CBS, I, I have no idea how two, four, seven does their composite stuff. He had a point nine, 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 nine rating, not a perfect one, but like as close as you can be without being perfect for whatever reason. Um, but you know, so he came in number one quarterback in the country, him and Justin Fields had really jockeyed for position in that recruiting class. And Trevor Lawrence comes out on top. And, Obviously wins that title his first year on a really good team. And it sort of feels like at that point, he just kind of exists in the college football world. Like there's nothing more that anybody really expects from him. There's nothing else he can really accomplish because he won a title his first year and was all this sort of stuff. And like you talk about his second year, it was, oh, is he, you know, why is he struggling when he's actually playing really well? But also like, 
the expectations were insane, right? Like after that national title game, it felt like his career, I, I don't want to say didn't matter, but like it kind of felt like his career didn't matter. And we were just waiting for him to enter the draft. It really, it, it was an interesting context with Justin Fields because as it wound up, they were two Georgia high school kids who were like played high school football 15 miles apart from each other. were number one and two in that class. And they wind up meeting in the college football playoff in consecutive years. That's a nice little storyline. Trevor Lawrence wound up being the benchmark for everybody else. But sometimes the benchmark is not as exciting on its own merits. And then I also do, he got thrown into the quagmire in Jacksonville last year in the NFL as a rookie and just disappeared from consciousness because the whole story in Jacksonville was what is Urban Meyer doing and who did he kick this week? And so we didn't think about Trevor. If Trevor Lawrence was tearing up the NFL right now, if Trevor Lawrence had made the right, he it was another year of Trevor Lawrence fading. Peak, 18 is peak, <laughs> and then 19, 20, and then 21 again is a slow fade, not in skill, but in our awareness of him. And he's still in that. Now, because we do, we do recognize the fact that what you do at the NFL has a reflects back on how we view you as a college player. We knew Lamar Jackson was awesome. And then winning the MVP in the NFL confirmed our knowledge that Lamar Jackson was awesome. We don't know what Trevor, Trevor Lawrence has ahead of him, but right now he's just, he's just in a weird spot because he accomplished everything. And then he wound up being compared to himself. And what he, what he was being compared to was a national champion as a true freshman. And that's hard to live up to, man. It's one of those things. I don't actually, I almost feel sorry for him. It's just perception feeling sorry because he's an excellent football player and he's on our Mount Rushmore. And I don't know. I don't want the families. Mom, who's that guy? It's like, oh, Trevor Lawrence. He's excellent, but really you should feel sorry for him. That's not what this is about. We are celebrating Trevor Lawrence, but it's a little weird. It's almost felt too easy his career like and I think that part of it is because well obviously he wins as a freshman that's part of it but I think that another part of it is also that like at Clemson you just don't really play in big games because you don't play anybody and so we kind of ignore you for 13 games until you play in the college football playoff and then you're kind of only judged on that in some ways I don't know it's I, I felt I, I felt this since he was in school. Like I, I feel like I don't know how to contextualize him very well, and I don't know why. Because, like you said, he's done everything. He's one of the most accomplished football players of all time. <laughs> but it just it doesn't always feel like it. And um, I, I, he's going to be a great NFL player. I, I, I don't have any doubts about that. Despite all the mess that happened in Jacksonville. He was fully deserving of being the number one pick, all that sort of stuff. But it's just, he becomes not anonymous. That's, that's not fair, but like taken for granted. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he has become one of the more anonymous, fantastic players in the history of college football. Like I, I remember actually uh, when we were in our FWAA all America meeting, somebody brought up, you know, something just to consider with Trevor Lawrence, because there are obviously so many great quarterbacks, you have to consider everything. But something to consider with Trevor Lawrence is that if no All-America team names him first team, then he is not eligible for the College Football Hall of Fame. And obviously, you don't just make a decision based on that. But it was interesting to kind of be like, I guess that's true. I, I guess that's something that you have to think about. It's not something I would have really thought about that hard, you know, but like, I guess it's true, you know, that that's there was never a moment where everybody was like, he has to be first team. He has to be first team, you know? I I actually think that was me. Not to be I, I, I think I was <laughs> I definitely was part of that discussion because that's how we met on the FWAA All American Committee. But that was a big deal to me because 2018 he comes in, he comes in late. He doesn't win the starting job until like week three or four. They win the national championship, but like he's not He's not going to be the the first team quarterback that year because that's Kyler Murray, Tuatonga Bailoa, Dwayne Haskins. So it's not going to be him. And then 2019, he gets Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is the first team quarterback for everybody. And then 2020, it's like okay, well, there's Mac Jones, there's Justin Fields, there's sort of like multiple options here. But but then this is the reality. This is going to be this guy's last year in college. He's a national champion. He's going to be the number one pick in the draft. 
And he has a chance to never be a first-team All-American. Like, what are we doing here? And I think we did it. I think we did it. I think we made him, like, I'm not saying we got him in the College Football Hall of Fame, except I am saying that. So, like, that's, but that is indicative. That, that, that discussion shows, it's like, we had to make the point of saying, hey, this guy, who's awesome, maybe he should once in his life be a first-team All-American, because that's really what, the whole point you're making is encapsulated in that discussion maybe he should make the college football hall of fame. Like, I I think that's part of it too, right? Because he almost was in a position where, I mean, he is like the most, maybe the most talented quarterback in the country in college football. But like, I don't know how many people would have said that he was the best, even though he had a really good case to be the best. Like it just, you know, I mean, obviously 2018, you have Kyler 2019, you have Joe Burrow, like, he also overlapped with some incredible quarterbacks. That does not help. And Justin Fields was over there at Ohio State. Obviously, they're always going to be compared. Mac Jones did his thing, of course, at Alabama in 2020. It just, he is, he is probably the greatest player who is just kind of accepted as great, but then we feel like we don't have to talk about it, about it almost because of it. I do. And if you would have said, coming off the 2018 college football season, if you would have said, hey, Next year, there's going to be a quarterback who has arguably the greatest season in college football history in terms of statistics, individual accomplishment, and team accomplishment. Who's it going to be? It would have been a unanimous vote for Trevor unanimous, Lawrence. Unanimous, unanimous. And instead, it was Joe Burrow. And so he got uh, he got caught up in that wash a little bit. So Trevor Lawrence definitely deserves to be on this Mount Rushmore. He's number two, which leads us to number three. Who do you have for that, Sean? Yeah, well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned earlier Trevor Lawrence uh, in 2019 makes a national title game and got Joe Burrowed. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> if you if you get Joe Burrowed, um, that is no joke. Joe Burrow played in two college football playoff games, 493 passing yards, seven touchdowns, 21 rushing yards and a touchdown, 463 passing yards, five touchdowns. 58 rushing yards of rushing touchdown in two games, 956 yards, 12 touchdowns, zero interceptions, two rushing touchdowns. Just as a point, a point of information very quickly. Does the first game not count because it was against an Oklahoma defense or does it still count? When you go and then do that exact same thing, 100% exactly the same against Clemson, it counts. Okay, just double check. One like what the absolute hell? These are these are two of the greatest games ever played. <laughs> like not in the playoff, like ever. like any context ever, anywhere, any Against yes. an FCS opponent, anything. Like it does not that is this is ridiculous, right? And and yes, we can contextualize, you know, we talked about Deshaun Watson having like a talented but not super talented team. That's not Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has one of the most talented teams of all time. But also, he elevated it to being the greatest, you know, or second greatest or in that conversation for greatest team of all time. Like, he is the guy that that took LSU from, hey, you guys have a lot of talent and don't do anything with it to, oh, okay, yeah, this is this is the team. Two best two games combined in a single college football playoff. As you said, Joe Burrow, 956 passing yards, second best is 761. He's almost 200 full yards ahead of the second best performance. I think that may never be broken. As long as we have a four-team playoff and a two where you play two games, whether it's another 40 years, another 50 years, how could you you have to average 500 passing yards a game to break that? It is unbelievable. And again, everybody knows this, but that Oklahoma game, 29 of 39, 493 yards, seven passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. Here are the drives for LSU in that game. Touchdown, punt, touchdown, 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 halftime. Touchdown, missed field goal. Joe Burrow comes out after playing one play in the fourth quarter. He (laughs) threw for 493 yards and seven touchdowns and played one play in the fourth quarter. His backup came in and let a touchdown drive after he came out. So he could have thrown for like 565 and eight touchdowns if he wanted to. Oh, easily. We will will never see 
a game like that, I don't think, at that level, an absolute domination like that. And although it's only one year, when you go through the list, so we were talking about those guys. There's there's two quarterbacks who played in three in three playoffs and five quarterbacks who have played in two playoffs. There are one, two, three, four, five quarterbacks who won a national championship in their only playoff. So Burrow is one of those five. And when you look at that group, it's like, okay. So it's only one playoff, but again, it is indisputable. And I'm not sure, Shahan, I did Trevor Lawrence second. Joe Burrow in two games accounted for 14 touchdowns. Trevor Lawrence in five games accounted for 13. Deshaun Watson in four games accounted for 13. Joe Burrow has more total touchdowns than either Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence. I don't know that you could argue Burrow over Watson. I think you could argue Burrow over Lawrence, though, right? If we only had if the if the guy, if Spetsam Borgland or whatever his guy, just his arms got tired after two presidents and we were only doing two, we'd have a discussion, I think, about Lawrence versus versus Burrow. Can you imagine if it was like George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. And it's like, that's a top tier. I'm not doing a third. Uh, Jefferson, he's got some problems. We've discussed those. <laughs> and then TR is a little bit of a stretch. I get it. The bull moose and all that stuff. I'm just doing two. Washington and Lincoln, they're the big two. And then every Mount Rushmore discussion that every sports podcast and radio show has had since then would just be two. That's so much less content. But wouldn't it be a battle? Would Lawrence Burrow be a battle if it was two? Um. The answer for me is that no, it wouldn't be a battle because I think that Burrow is clearly better. Like I think that Burrow's Burrow's playoff is the most dominant playoff that we've ever seen, and that trumps multiple. That trumps three trips. It to me, it does. To me, it does. Um, and that's again, this is me once again subjugating Trevor Lawrence, one of the most talented football players to ever live. <laughs> we just finished. We finished Trevor Lawrence, and now we're doubling back to kick him off. <laughs> like, Trevor Lawrence is clearly in the top four, and being a top four playoff quarterback of all time is not a bad place to be. He's going to be in the College Football Hall of Fame. You're welcome, Trevor. Like, all this stuff. But, I mean, Joe Burrow's playoff is... Like, if we're talking individual playoff, right? Like, Deshaun Watson has two. Uh, he obviously elevated a team that probably had no business being as good as it was. If we're talking about single playoff, individual playoff, and like any position, I mean, it's, we'll have the discussion about like the Mount, the overall Mount Rushmore. But if we're just talking one playoff, it's like Joe Burrow versus Ezekiel Elliott for the greatest playoff of all time. Like, I think that that is the conversation. I don't think that there's anybody else. Yeah. And I do, I, I really like sort of how this unfolds for us because it is accumulation versus one great year. And there's no right or wrong answer on that. And when you look at the college football playoff official record books, everything is one one playoff. It's best game or best two games in a single playoff. They don't have the career records that we then add up ourselves. But I do think the career stuff matters because leading your team back there more than once is kind of a big thing. This is the biggest stage, but I do think that it's a, it is a separate conversation, but I, but I, I do think you're probably right because again, you could argue, I mean, Joe Burrow threw 60 touchdown passes that year. It, you could argue it's among the greatest individual seasons. It's among the greatest individual postseasons. It's among the greatest, greatest offensive teams as a whole among the greatest future NFL producing teams as a whole and Joe Burrow's driving that. So again, if we ever did the, the 10 best individual college football seasons, national championship, Heisman trophy, record setting stats, and you're the number one pick in the NFL draft. And plus you're like smoking cigars and you put an X in your name. I, I mean, that is right there. And by the way, on our Mount Rushmore, we go in OW or EAUX. What do you think for the spelling? <laughs> Or both, um, or both. <laughs> I, I let's go uh, EAUX. I mean, we're we're gonna have uh, an NFL Mount Rushmore at some point, right? And like Joe Burrow's already playing in Super Bowl, so he he can get the OW when he makes that one. We'll we'll have the EAUX on this one. And by the way, for Ohio State fans, we'll we'll have like one sentence about Ohio State there, so you can come pay your twelve bucks. We don't want the Ohio State fans to miss out on visiting the quarterback Mount uh, Citibank more located in a Mount Rushmore Park in South Bend, Indiana. 
Are, are you saying that uh, that that uh, Cardell Jones isn't making the list? He, that's not your fourth guy. We're leading up to a very interesting discussion <laughs> for number four. I don't know who the for 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 about a year there, everybody in America knew who the mayor of South Bend, Indiana was. It was like, <laughs> why do we know that? Why do we know who the mayor of South Bend, Indiana is? I don't know anymore. But I'm going to call that person and I'm going to ask them if they want our Mount Blankmore. It's a money-making opportunity. J- James Muller is is the new mayor because uh, you got a cell. Can you read a cell number? You got a cell number there. I, do, I don't have a cell number. <laughs> I love statues. I love statues, and I love sports statues. I did a big story like a decade ago about all the different sports statues at all the different Big Ten universities. Ohio State didn't have a Woody Hayes statue for a long time, and they put one up shortly after that. There's a Red Grange statue at Illinois. There's a Barry Alvarez statue and a Pat Richter statue at Wisconsin. They had a Joe Paterno statue at Penn State. They took that down. Nick Saban already has a statue at Alabama. I love statues. Because then there's a Jesse Owens statue at Ohio State that I I stop by and I go stand next to it. It's awesome. I would go. Because it's not like – and I, okay, these are just heads. They're heads on a mountain. But, like, that's that's the best thing to me. It's better than a plaque, right? It's better than an NFT. It's your head. It's your head or your body, right? So, like, I, I would go to this. I would not endorse something that I wouldn't go to myself. I would pay $12 to go to these, to our Mount Blankmores. You would pay – you would drive up from Texas to go to – tell your wife, honey – Going on a little college football vacation. Let's drive to South Bend and look at faces on mountains. Come on. <laughs> come on. Yeah, she'd sure, come. Would sure, she come? Sure. Yeah, she'd come. She'd come. Uh, I could I could expand my Midwestern reach. I, I I don't remember if I've said this on the podcast, but I was born in Chicago. So we lived there for a couple of years. I've been back. Uh, and then I went to Indianapolis for the national championship game. And that's the totality of all my trips to the Midwest. So I can uh, I can check off South Bend, Indiana, if I if I make this trip. Nice. Wow. That's that. Is, I was actually just kidding before. But now that it will get you to South Bend to check that off the list. Now we actually do have to do it. All right. <laughs> we're going to call James Muller. Is that what you said it was? Yeah. Jim. Yeah, yeah. Is it Jim? Do you know if it's Jim? <laughs> I don't know if you're a mayor. If you're a governor, I think you have to go by James. I think if you're a mayor, it was Mayor Pete. It's probably Mayor Jim, right? <laughs> J Money, Mayor J Money. I don't know. J Dog. He his his name on his Twitter account is Mayor James Muller. So I think no, that he probably Mayor uh, James. Uh, no, but he also hasn't tweeted since July of 2021. So maybe he's a. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he's trying to step it up, trying to prep for his presidential run in 2024. Who knows? Do you guys even want a mayor who doesn't tweet? What's the point of being a mayor if you're not going to tweet? What are you doing, running the government? What else are you doing? Yeah, come on. Fixing potholes? Serving your community? All right, Jim, we'll be in touch, and we'll come back with our fourth quarterback next on the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Doug LaMaurice and Shahan J. Haraja again reminding you, you can hear Mount Rushmore discussions on running backs, linebackers, receivers, and defensive backs on the Apple bonus shows. You pay $2.99 a month. You get access to those bonus shows. Every week we do this free podcast and we do a bonus episode just for those Apple podcast subscribers. They're not all Mount Rushmore's. We wanted to get a Mount Rushmore in this main feed. We do other things on those Apple bonus shows, but Mount Rushmore has been something we've been leaning into there. And some of those discussions are difficult. This one is a little bit difficult, and I'm going to maybe let you pick it because you're the smart one. But I will say that I had four guys, I think, in the end competing for this spot. Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield, Mac Jones, I think is my final four for the fourth. And I thought Cardale Jones was maybe going to be in that conversation because it was such an amazing story. Cardale Jones's stats in the two games Ohio State played in winning the first playoff national championship, 18 of 35 for 243, a touchdown and a pick, 16 of 23 for 242, a touchdown and a pick. He basically had the exact same game both times, 17 for 43 rushing, 21 for 38 rushing and a touchdown. They're fine. They're good. But as you said, Ezekiel Elliott, no surprise, made our running back Mount Rushmore. That was huge. They had some defensive stars there. It's an amazing story for a third-string quarterback to come in 
and help his team win a national championship. If we're going on story, and here at Mount Blankmore, we love stories. If we're going on story, Cardale Jones definitely has a case. And I guess I'll say, if there's not an overwhelming statistical performance excellence case, I do think a story spot is okay, especially in the TR spot. Because TR is a little bit of a story. If he didn't have a mustache. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a legend guy. He's a legend. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, it's mostly. The, so maybe, and we've talked about this before, if we're trying to fit people in, right? <laughs> well, this guy's this and this guy's this. Cardale Jones is Teddy Roosevelt. So maybe that does fit. But I do think there are some guys who probably have better statistical slash performance cases. Where do you go here? What's your discussion like? I, I found this fourth spot really tough. Um, I think the most obvious answer that I think sort of fits the, I, I guess, criteria that I have laid out for the other three players. I, I feel like the obvious guy is Mac Jones. Uh, statistically, just ridiculous. I, I mean, he had 297 and four touchdowns, no picks against Notre Dame. Could have kept playing and kept going, basically. In, in the national title game, completes 80% of his passes for 464 and five touchdowns. The only thing for me, and again, this is probably me being unfair again, is that that, that was the Devontae Smith playoff. Like, I, I'm sorry. That, that was not about Mac Jones. It was about how great his receivers were that year. And so I'm not saying that that means that he shouldn't be the pick because his statistical excellence is ridiculous, just absolutely insane. But it just feels different. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just feels it like... <sighs> it's that group, when I said... Joe Burrow has the best two-game passing yards. Mac Jones is second. That's who is – it's Joe Burrow, 956. Mac Jones, 761. Deshaun Watson, 679. Trevor Lawrence, 674. So for the best two-game passing total in a single playoff, Mac Jones is second. That's pretty good statistically. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's ridiculous statistically. So I think that if if we're making that argument sort of purely based off of that, I mean, Mac Jones has a tremendous case. Uh the other guy, so so you you brought up the two game list. Um, the guy that you didn't mention, who I do think at least deserves to be considered. I can I feel like maybe it's just Mac Jones. I, I feel like maybe it's just the numbers are good enough that we kind of have to do it. Um, the, the other guy who so so we have Joe Burrow, Mac Jones, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence. Those are the top four on the two game list, the single season list. Number five is Marcus Mariota, and I think that Marcus Mariota obviously. It's hard to make that case because they didn't win. He only played in one college football playoff because also that's just kind of how, you know, 2014 was the first one. That was really the only one that he was able to participate in. I think that Marcus Mariota in a lot of ways is like one of the more underrated college football players of the past decade, even though he won the Heisman Trophy. I think people forget how good he was. And he was really, really good in the college football playoff. 338, two touchdowns, uh, 62 rushing yards and a touchdown against Florida State, against Ohio State in the title game, 333, two touchdowns, 39 rushing yards. Unfortunately, Oregon gets blown out in the, uh, in the national title game, so I think that that hurts his case a little bit. But I do think that he is... I think that, that he deserves to be in that conversation. I think that he is comparable to... To the, you know, Baker Mayfields. I think that he's comparable to the Jalen Hurts. Um, but obviously, at the same time, like, it's it's probably too difficult for me to make the Marcus Mariota over Mac Jones case. I will say that, the, so Marcus Mariota has the fifth best two-game passing. Sixth is a guy that I would not have expected. It's Jake Coker, who has a national championship for Alabama against Michigan State in the semis. 25 of 30, 83% completion for 286, two touchdowns, no picks. National championship against Clemson, 16 of 25 for 335, two touchdowns, no picks. So four touchdowns, no picks, averages more than 300 passing yards a game, completes like 74% of his passes. Like if we're searching, that's a ring, good stats. But again, did Jake Coker make Bama go? In 2015, no, he had Derrick Henry and a Nick Saban defense. So so that's hard. It's like, who made their team go? Baker Mayfield made his team go. Yes. Baker Mayfield made the playoff twice. He lost in the semifinal both times. 
first semifinal against Clemson, 26 of 41, 311, one touchdown, two picks. Second semifinal lost to Georgia in overtime, a game Oklahoma should have won. 23 of 35, 287, two touchdowns, one pick. So three touchdowns, three picks, negative rushing yards total, less than 300, pa- fewer than 300 passing yards per game. It's not as comp- – I came in – also, for some reason, I thought Baker Mayfield had made the playoff three times, and he didn't because he made it – They missed in 2016. In the, the year in between, they missed. So they made it in 15, they made it in 17, 17th is Heisman year. That's, like, not a great case. Yeah. I mean, you never won a playoff game. Like, that's – like, Jake Coker's ahead of that. They each played two games. Coker has a ring. I mean, Coker like, played but, but, for Alabama. <laughs> like, I, I can't go that far. Baker Mayfield makes Oklahoma go. Jake Coker does not make Bama go. But how how do you separate those? Justin Fields, three playoff games, 30 of 46, 320 against Clemson and the loss, game they should have won. Then 22 of 28, 385, six touchdowns in that revenge game against Clemson the next year. And then 17 of 33, 194 and a touchdown where they just got steamrolled by Alabama. Also ran for 67 in that game. Total, three games, 899 passing yards, eight passing touchdowns, three picks, 122 rushing yards. No ring. Not bad. And he had a great defense in 2019. The 2020 defense was not great. Justin Fields, more than Jake Coker, made them go. Definitely, definitely. Uh, like, doesn't have a loss to Mac Jones in the national championship game. So are we going to have him lose to Mac Jones and then not do it? And I will say, the Jalen Hurts case, do you know how many playoff games Jalen Hurts played in? Five? Seven. Seven. Because he played in a couple when he was the backup to Tua. Like, he got in. So he was 7 of 14 for 57 yards against Washington. Then he was cool. 13 of 30. I mean, it's like he played in seven playoff games. Two of them, two of them, he didn't really play in. He played like garbage time minutes or wrinkle minutes. And one of them, he got benched at halftime for Tua. Right. So, four, but four of them, he played all the way through and he played tiny bits of three others. He threw for 556 yards total in seven games. Joe Burrow threw for that many, like in one game. So, again, it's like Jalen Hurts, seven different playoff games. In his career. That is amazing. The lack of stats is equally amazing. Like, I was ready for an accumulator case for Jalen Hurts, except he didn't accumulate anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, you can't you can't make a case for Jalen Hurts. Like, you just can't. Uh, the thing that I don't like about Justin Fields' case is that I think that you can make an argument that two of the worst games of his career came in the college football playoff. The obvious, I mean, the title game uh, against Alabama completes 51% of his passes for 194 yards. Like that is a bad game. Great team. It's, it's I'm not saying that this is his fault, but like, this is the, the bar that we're obviously holding him to with good weapons. Now they were missing their running back in that game, but good weapons, good weapons, good weapons. Uh, and then in the, the semi versus Clemson, like, in 19. Yeah, yeah. He, had, he, had, he had a huge pick that in some ways cost him the game. Only one passing touchdown, uh, two interceptions, which he had not had two interceptions in his entire career to that point. He had one career interception heading into that game and then had two in that game. So, like, if, <laughs> you know, the, the, the game against Clemson, 385, six touchdowns, that's Justin Fields, right? Like, that is, that is him doing his thing. It's not great to me that in the biggest moments, he didn't play his best football. Now, obviously, as we all know, he's got that all out of his system. Now he's with the Chicago Bears and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, but, you know, if we're only judging him on back then, but, but that, that's a concern to me. I, I don't love that. Uh, I, I do think I didn't really consider this guy maybe as much as is fair. I mean, Tua was a heck of a player. Tua comes in in the second half of the uh, the title game against Georgia, throws three touchdowns, including the game winner, 166 yards in one half. He does have six touchdowns, throws for 318 against Oklahoma, 295 against Clemson. They lose that title game, though. The fact that he doesn't have the fact that his only ring is when he came in as a backup probably hurts him. Again, like I, I feel like we're just going to end up 
to me at least, like I feel like I'm just gonna have to default to Mac Jones, even though I feel like maybe there were other guys who, like you said, drove the car a little bit more. But it, it's tough. So I think we've we've eliminated Jalen Hurts, right? Yes. Have we have we eliminated Baker Mayfield? I think so. Justin Fields, that first Clemson game, the two picks, one's an Isaiah Simmons pick on the sideline. It's a great Isaiah Simmons play. And the second one is if Chris Olave doesn't break off his route on the last play of the game, it might be a game-winning touchdown instead of a pick, and it changes the course of Ohio State history in the modern era. But what happened, happened. So I did not have Tua in my initial thing. I do. Th- you make a good point about Tua. From a story standpoint, I started off by saying, hey, maybe Cardale Jones has a story case. The Tua story, come in at halftime, throw three touchdowns as a freshman and lead your team in this amazing comeback is pretty compelling. That's as compelling as Cardale Jones' third stringer comes in and leads you to a national championship. And then he backs it up with another very good playoff appearance that includes a win, doesn't include a ring, but he, he is instrumental in a ring. And then he, as a starter, makes another championship game. Is it down to Tua versus Mac Jones? Is that where we are, do you think? I wish that Tua didn't get hurt in 2019. Like, they might not have made the playoff, but I I think that with one loss and with that one loss being to Louisiana, uh, to LSU, sorry, I was reading the, reading the, we don't call them Louisiana State, to LSU. I think that they still have a chance to make the playoff in that case, right? If they, if they're 11 and one and their loss is a five point loss to maybe the greatest team of all time. So like if he plays in that 2019 playoff, I think he has a better case. So yeah, I, I think it's reasonable. Fields is sort of in our discussion. I, I don't think he needs to be eliminated per se, but I think that it's probably Fields versus Tua versus Mac. And I mean, Mac's numbers are just probably too good like they're probably just too good to really have much of a a discussion do we want for the park for the park when you point at the face what you tell your kid or your friend or your significant other or your grandparent the story okay you're going to sean watson trevor lawrence joe burrow you're telling those stories you get to the fourth face and you point to it and in 15 seconds you describe why that person's face is up there. What's a better description? What you would say about Tua or what you would say about Mac? I mean, I think that I think that not only is Tua's more interesting, but I think that Cardale would be more interesting too from that perspective. Uh, because, no, I mean, the, the answer is that Mac Jones played with the Heisman winner like, and, and played on... If if LSU in 2019 is not the greatest team of all time, it's because Bama in 2020 is the greatest team of all time, right? Like, that's the level that we're talking about. And then when you point to Tua, then you could say, and you know what? His backup then came in the next year and has the second highest two-game passing total in playoff history. But that guy had to back up him. Mac Jones, when they were both there, was behind Tua. Yeah. Yeah, and it convincingly... Is that anything? When they were there together, Tua Tonga Bailoa was better. So we're now going to put Mac Jones on because he had Devontae Smith? I mean, this is the, uh, this is the discussion we kind of had about Hunter Renfro versus uh, which, which receiver did we end up putting on the list? Uh, I think Wayne Gallman. Wait, no, sorry, that was a different one. <laughs> the Wayne Gallman discussion is going to with Will- me forever. It wasn't Mike Williams. Uh, I think it was Mike Williams. We're having like a who's – who is sort of the beneficiary and who is the driving force? Is Mac Jones more of a beneficiary? You know what Tua drove? Tua drove the second half of an amazing national championship comeback. If Tua Tonga-Vailoa does not exist on this planet, Nick Saban has one less title. Is that a fact? Oh, that's, that's a fact. 100% a fact. I want to tell, I think I want to tell my friend when I point. My finger's in the air. Let me tell you about Mac Jones. A lot of good players were around him. Let me tell you about what Tua came in and did. I think Tua straddles the line between a Cardale Jones story case and a Mac Jones statistical slash performance excellence case. And I think he combines enough of both that for the park, I think maybe I lean Tua. So the one thing that I'll say, the the one thing that I'll say is that Alabama got blown the heck out in 
the national title game in 2018. Like, got destroyed. 44 to 16. I don't love that. <laughs> I don't, I do not love that. It was not, it, it wasn't to his fault. It wasn't to his fault that they couldn't do stuff, right? But like, he's the quarterback. Like, it doesn't matter that they couldn't run the ball. He was, you know, a top five Heisman guy. So like, I, I think that if, if Tua plays in 2019 in a playoff, this is a no brainer. I think that it's Tua. I think that I'm with you. I think Tua might be the answer because he straddles some of those lines. And like, if you ask, and Bryce Young might enter this conversation after next year, but if you ask anybody at Alabama who is Nick Saban's best quarterback, it's Tua, right? Like, it, it's not really that much of a discussion. It's it's Tua. Well, and it's hard, again, because Tua hasn't had a great NFL career so far. Right. Which which does not factor in, by the way, to this. Like, Well, it, it shouldn't, but I think subconsciously, if Tua had gone out and had, had led his team to the Super Bowl, like Joe Burrow did this year, yes. or if Tua was perceived the way right. Justin Herbert is perceived, and those are the three guys in that quarterback class, I think we'd have a subconscious higher opinion of Tua for this discussion, even though it shouldn't matter. I, I think to me, it can confirm, right? Like, it, it, I think that, like with Lamar Jackson, I think it only confirmed that maybe he was even better than we thought that he was. Uh, you know, with Joe Burrow, it confirmed, oh, okay, he was like as good as that. Um I don't think it should go the other direction. Like, I don't think that uh, that Johnny Manziel not being good in the league means he wasn't great in college. Uh, and so I think that there's an aspect of that with Tua. Now, the one thing that I'll say about Tua is that he did things in college that feel like they should have been transferable to the league, and I don't love that they weren't. But also injuries have played a big part of that. And like... Mac Jones had a good rookie year. I, I'm not sitting here and saying, wow, did you see what Mac Jones did? That means that he was better than Tua the whole time. I'm just not, I'm just not saying that. Uh, it feels like to me, whoever we put up here for the fourth spot might be temporary because if Bryce, if Bryce Young lights it up and wins a or ring. Or CJ Stroud, if he comes back. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think, I think either of that, like, like we're on, we have a couple, Tyler Van Dyke. Yeah. Caleb Williams. We, we're set up. For sure. I mean, actually, like, not, like, yeah, if he repeats, I mean, my gosh, wow, wow. Well, tune in next year for that discussion. So, like, but that idea that we're set up for the next person who has a one-time Burrow kind of playoff can claim that fourth spot because it's not definitive. We have three definitive guys. Lacking a definitive answer, I'll give the edge to story. I don't want it to be just storyland. It's not fairy tales. It's called. It's not. It, it's not fairy tales. It's something more, more important. It's a game played by teenagers, where you run into the area that's colored instead of the other area that's colored, and then you throw a ball in the air and you catch it, and then you do a dance. It is a, a fairy tale. But there's very specific rules. Don't worry. So don't dance too much, or they'll throw a piece of yellow cloth at you. So I do think. I'll lean. I'll lean Tua here. I'll hear the Mac argument, but it's our vote. Let's let's do Tua. Let's do Tua. All right, Tua. I didn't even have Tua in my final consideration for this, but I think this is right because you start eliminating people. Mayfield just doesn't cut it. Hurts just doesn't cut it. Fields is closer, but probably doesn't cut it. The thing about Mac and Tua that's good—they both have a ring. And I do think, even though Tua only played a half, I think you could argue that Tua is more important to his ring than Mac Jones is to his ring. And that is not a shot at Mac Jones. It's just that that half that Tua played in relief is one of the great in-the-moment singular 30-minute quarterback performances on a big stage that you'll ever see. So that is not a shot at Mac Jones. He was awesome. But Tua had to carry a little bit more of the load. So we'll go Tua. We will go Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Tua Tonga-Vailoa. I will be curious to hear from our Alabama listeners here. Jake Coker, legitimately, if you want to say, hey, you, you guys did not spend enough time on Jake Coker, and here's why. You can make an argument that he had like a better playoff maybe than Tua. Like he he elevated his game. That's the one thing that you have to, to give him is that he was not very good in the regular season, and then they made it to the playoff, and he's like, I'm doing the thing. Like I'm going to do the thing. Uh, but – I think that, like you said, when we talk about drivers, when we talk about the way that the team is structured, when we talk about, obviously, the story, like you mentioned. And and I think that also, like, the Tua versus Mac argument, too, I think, is also 
it, it takes into account that Tua was a better football player during the season, I think, than than Mac Jones was. Mac, I mean, Mac Jones had the record-setting numbers and all that, but I think that what Tua did transformed Alabama in in a lot of ways. They had tried to have that sort of thing before, obviously when they brought in Lane Kiffin, when they brought in Steve Sarkeesian, but I think that that Tua was the evolution to where it really happened. So in a world where Nick Saban's playoff winning quarterbacks are Jake Coker, Jalen Hurts relieved by Tua Tonga-Vailoa and Mac Jones, where would Bama fans land? I think in the end, as we're having this discussion, Bama has not been a quarterback-driven playoff program the whole time. It certainly has evolved into that now. I think it's probably, as we're discussing this, for instance, against Justin Fields, we probably should have a Bama quarterback on here. We have two Clemson guys, an LSU guy for sure, that we're choosing between two Bama quarterbacks feels right. But Bama fans, let us know. CFB Survivor Show on Twitter, let us know. Did we get this right? We're going to make it to a Tonga-Vailoa, and Bryce Young might be coming. Bryce Young might be coming and might settle this with what he does potentially in the playoff this year. So that is our college football playoff discussion on the Survivor Show, the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks. We have now done five positions, running back, linebacker, receiver, defensive back, now quarterback. We're still going to do assistant coaches, which I think is really potentially interesting, head coaches, and then we're going to do uh, are we going to do edge rushers also? That's the other position we haven't done. So those three sort of as groups, and then one final, the top four overall, everybody. We're making one. That one's going to be bigger. The other ones are hills. That one's actually going to be a mountain. Hill Rushmore? Doesn't sound as good. The big one. That's the big four. Those are ahead. Some of them will be on the Apple Podcast bonus episodes. $2.99 a month. You go to Apple Podcast. You just put your thumb on there or whatever. $2.99 a month. I think it's a good deal. Some of them will be here on this episode, which is every week, it's free for everybody. We hope you join us for both of them, or at the very least, join us for this free show every week, wherever you listen to podcasts. For Shahan J. Raja, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. <laughs> 